What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Mintz. And I'm Jordan Schusterman. And we are the hosts of Baseball Barbacast. And we are so excited to be back recording a podcast together Monday, Wednesday, Friday, for the 2024 Major League Baseball season. I am so excited for this year, Jake. Yeah, we are here with Yahoo Sports. Our time off of podcasting has weighed on me heavy. I've been delivering baseball takes to inanimate objects. So I'm rearing to get back to talking ball with my buddy. So join us on Baseball Barbercast. We're going to have a good time. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Welcome to the Yahoo Sports NFL podcast. I'm Yahoo senior NFL writer Therese Paler. Here, my main man and fellow senior NFL writer Charles Robinson. And Charles, Bill Belichick was spotted shooting a Subway commercial today. What do you think Bill Belichick's Subway sandwich of choice is? Wow, that is a that is a good question. It's got to be versatile, right? I mean, we're we're probably looking at versatility. Not expensive. Maybe mm-hmm. the veg the veggie sub, right? It's got to be the veggie, veggie. sub. Right. Because, you know, you got a lot to choose from. It's not really mm-hmm. super expensive. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of interchangeability there. And there's no meat, just like the Patriots without Tom Brady. <laughs> it's definitely not going to have any frills. So that's why my choice is the oven roasted chicken breast. Because, like, the oven roasted chicken breast is simple. It comes with the chicken on it, loaded up with veggies, and then you can just pick your little sauce or vinaigrette and it, it's very versatile, um, and it's, it gets the job done. There's protein. I feel like he'd want protein. This is very, very, very simple, very classic. Although, I will say this. Um, for all the McDonald's gets for its McNuggets all being the same four shapes, <laughs> I will say this. The Subway, quote-unquote, <laughs> chicken breast so all the chicken breasts also seem to be made in a mold and they're all shaped the exact same way. So I think same those are probably size. some parts of chickens. Yes. Yeah, it's I've been crafted into a breast. Exactly. I have a hunch. It's not exactly like, a, maybe not a to beak be in there. Subway, but pretty sure it's not, you know, an eyeball. They, 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 <laughs> stop. <laughs> As we eliminate potential sponsors on a week to week basis, but, we appreciate- That's a good one point. Thing tra- <laughs> Damn, one there thing goes tra- the subway ad. <laughs> They're out. They're out. But one thing Charles and I like to do is talk about food, but we only do that in the absence of uh, actual news, and there actually is no shortage Whew. of news And what's already been a very, very busy week, my friend. Yes, you know, sir. In this podcast, we're going to talk about Washington's name change, becoming official, got some COVID updates, got couple of extensions to big money defensive linemen that we were going to get into and we're going to answer some of your questions so without further ado charles let's get started with washington's name change uh like we said washington's professional football team 
which has had a nickname that we're not going to repeat on this podcast any longer. For 87 years, they won three Super Bowls and five championships with it. They will not be called that anymore. The new name has not been settled on. And that was news that came about over the weekend. Because Charles, you broke this news while you were on the radio. And it's really kind of set off a tremendous amount of discussion over the last several days. And I love the fact in your column, and you can talk about this, that you pointed out that it probably wasn't a mistake, the order in which Washington listed the reasons for the change, right? Yes. Sponsors came first. Yes. Sponsors, fans, community. In two sentences in that release, they you know, made sure to let everyone know they were leaning into it and it was sponsors first, then fans, then community. There's no shortage of feelings about this. I have been called an anti-Semite on Twitter because I pointed out that Dan Snyder is about the bottom line. And, you know, I, I hate to break it to anyone, but whether or not Dan Snyder's Jewish, there are 32 NFL ownership groups that are all about their bottom right. line. It has nothing to do right. with anything but their pocketbooks as NFL owners. Absolutely. We have you don't all become an NFL this. owner without, being, without caring about that first and foremost. Right? Yes, exactly. The bottom line comes first, and it doesn't matter what you are, who you are, where you come from. You get into the NFL for the prestige and the money. Okay, that's right. how it goes. But, you know, a lot of people have said about it, you know, I, I've heard a lot of the, well, it was a Native American who designed it. OK, it was 50 years ago. Things have <laughs> right, changed in right. 50 years. Like, you know, oh, well, I, you know, people keep pointing out these isolated, these Native Americans like it. And like, mm -hmm. you know what, man, here's the thing. When you change something like this, you can call it PC, virtual signaling, blah, 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 all this different stuff. But the bottom line is it's widely accepted, widely accepted that it's racist. That's it. Like it's not, I know I know some people don't want to agree with that because you can pick and choose some people who say it's not racist, but guess what? Every racist term that exists, you can find some people who say it's not racist. Guess what? From I'm the white. offended group. People say, you know, cracker, right? That's that's the Louis CK, you know, bit where he's like, "Hey, you can't even offend a white guy. The worst thing you can say about him is he's a cracker." It doesn't offend me, but I guarantee there's some white people out there who it's going to offend them. Because right. they just choose, you know, look, it's they find it offensive. So it's going to be controversial. I, what I do think is interesting, and I kind of want to ask you about this. And as you said, I, I dropped this on Saturday in the middle of a radio program that uh, this was going to be coming, you know, within 24 to 48 hours. Lo and behold, it comes within the 48 hour window. But what's interesting about this is I spoke to some NFL teams leading into that radio program that had been. Essentially, let you know, there were people in the NFL's uh, league office that let them know, hey, just so you know, something's coming. Be prepared to start taking care of the, the logo and the nickname for Washington. The thinking being, well, there's going to be a name. There's going to be right. something that's coming with this. Instead, Dan Snyder says, ah, well, well, we got some problems securing the new name because I didn't prepare for this. I didn't I didn't have anything secured. There are issues here with trademark. This is what the the you know Washington is saying in the background. People in the front office are saying in the background that you know there's these issues securing the next name and logo. Okay, well, here's the thing. There's a question of how long is the league going to let this drag on? Like what's the yeah. timeline? Because are you gonna yeah. go a whole 2020 season now with a hey, we're this? 
but we're, we're quote unquote retiring it, but we're going to keep it for now. Like at what point does the league step in and go, all right, come on, let's, let's get a move on this. Otherwise we're going to start pulling stuff off every single platform. You know, there's definitely a push for them to speed this process up and have it wrapped up by the end of the month. But I was actually talking to a source in the building. Like it's not that easy per se. Like you can say, okay, do it. But there's some complicated measures of this. For instance, like the name of the facility is fill in the blank park. (laughs) All their business cards have that on there. Like it's 2300 fill in the blank park drive. They've got all this gear with this stuff on it. Like it's interesting. Like it will be the job of jobs, like eliminating this stuff within a month. But I do think we're at a point now where like, like you mentioned, like it's a slur. It's widely recognized as a slur, even if there's not a hundred percent agreement within the native community about that. Most of them, according to studies that I've seen, don't like it. And I think that we have to be respectful of that. I, I don't know realistically how quickly you can change all of it, but you can change some of it in the league is definitely pushing because they don't want that around either. Like they want to be seen as a, I think you would agree with this. Like they want to be seen as being fully supportive of this cause, the league office. Right. Like they don't want to be like, oh, the NFL dragged his foot on it. No, they might let Snyder look like that, but they don't want to right. be drugged into that. Do you right. get what I'm saying? Yeah. It's, it's an interesting predicament for them to do the full-fledged change only because I'll also add this. Like I think they need to try to speed it up for sure. But I'm just going to add this. Charles, what if the name sucks? Like, what if the uniforms suck? Like, I just, here's the thing. I don't think that you can roll out new uniforms. I think you got to change the logo. I think you got to change the name. Or especially this year, you go as the Washington Football Club. And that's fine. You take away all the logos and the imagery and everything that's offensive. And you just have a plain, bare bones year. But I don't think it would behoove them to just pick the new one and roll out new uniforms and do all that. Because as we've seen, when you mess that up, it's five years locked in. I I agree. They need to speed up the name change, the logo, all that. But I do think this might, if there's a year to have a one year gap of just plain uniforms, be known as the Washington football club is probably this. Well, yeah. And you can keep the, the color scheme. So it's not mm-hmm. like, you know, there are certain you just take the logo off the uniforms, you know, but you you can keep the color scheme. You can blank out the helmets and keep the the helmets as is and just take the logo off. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. these are the things you can do. But it, look, this would be like Alabama. Yeah, actually, it would be. Yeah. Like, that actually be kind of cool. Kind of cool. What if yeah. it was actually kind of good? Yeah. What if all of a sudden you're like, oh, the Washington Football Club actually sounds kind of cool. Like, what if this is, <laughs> you know, all, what if they have a good season and all of a sudden you're yeah. thinking, wait a minute, like, what if this works? Um, I, I do think, though, this underscores <laughs> this is not a new issue. OK. No. And if I if I was Dan Snyder, no matter how much this roiled me as a businessman, I would have started an LLC 10 years ago and I would have said, here's what I'm going to do. I don't ever think this rainy day is coming. I don't want it to come. I'm going to be, I'm going to kick and scream. And if it, you know, does come all these different things, but I'm going to be a smart businessman and take my time and figure out what would be a dope name. What would be a dope uniform setup? What would be a dope, whatever, whatever I wanted here and figure that out. And you know what? You can get an LLC, a shell company, whatever you can warehouse that off the books way far from your organization. Okay. And you set the whole thing up and you just 
hold on to it. You keep renewing it. You keep the trademark. You know, you keep it. You keep everything on lock as long as you possibly can, or at least the pieces of it that you can, the portions of the trademark, the portions of the rights, and and just be prepped. Have the designs on hand, all these different things. I know some people are going to say, well, they could do that. And, you know, what if it leaked and all these different things? Sure. Those are potential issues. But guess what? Having this happen and not be prepared for it is a bigger issue than being prepared Mm -hmm. for it years ago. And hey, what Mm -hmm. if it leaked, say, five years ago and people were like, hey, this is pretty sweet. What they're thinking of potentially doing is pretty awesome. You could even kind of float some designs, you know, let them leak and, and deny them, but sort of see what the you know, the litmus test is float as a balloon to see because clearly some people, they like red wolves. Some people like red tails. Like there are some different designs out there, some logos, some ideas that people are chiming in on. And maybe you could have gotten a little bit of a sampling over that of that over, you know, 10 maybe. years and been prepared. Maybe, maybe. I think um, I think that it probably behooved Washington to stop naming them after people of color, though. So, oh, yes. Um, right. Of course. So yes. like, no, no. <laughs> like red tails. I get it. Just. Probably Red Wolves is the best option there yeah. or something nondescript like Warriors, right? Like Golden State has managed to completely change their brand because they had a little, their logo was Native American many, many years ago. Right. And now when you see here the Golden State Warriors, you ne- actually would never know that, right? Mm-hmm. And that actually kind of leads into the, my one of our listener questions from an All Juice listener. And it's from Vitamin J who asks us, is there any room for Native Amer- American culture slash imagery in the NFL any longer. And, you know, the thing about it is like the only other team that has that in the NFL now is the Chiefs. And what the Chiefs have continued to say for many years is that, hey, look, you know, the team works with many Native American groups. They've consulted them on a lot of changes. You, It's not hard to find Native American groups around here that like support the name. But one thing they also have to acknowledge and have is that they can find just as many Native Americans who have an issue with it, right? Sure. And it's because of that reason that at the very least, it's going to be, in my opinion, very difficult to keep some of the imagery, right? The chop, the headdresses, that stuff is offensive to Native Americans. It is. And I know people don't want to hear that. The giant um, drum. Right. The gi- yeah, it's, it's not. It, I know some people don't want to hear that because, you, like you mentioned earlier, like you can find Native Americans who are cool with sure, it. Sure, absolutely. You know, I, I was speaking to... The president and CEO of the American Indian College Fund. Um, I was also speaking to the professor of psychology, social context at the University of Michigan. And they they agreed that they agreed on this, that there are major psychological consequences of American Indian mascots in general. And this was mainly about Washington. Right. But but their general theme theme was, you know, this stuff does have an impact on the youth from that community. And that's why they're trying to get it changed. And I thought that that was that was pretty interesting. But. I also think we have to recognize Kansas City situations probably, and I think, you know, most people recognize it's different than Washington's because Washington is a little different, is an outright slur. But where Kansas City finds itself and where that, what that organization is going to have to deal with is just the simple fact they find themselves in a space where kind of no matter what they do, it's going to be offensive to a sizable chunk. So what change do you make? What do you do? And I think they would even admit to you that they don't, they're not sure yet. I can tell you this, you don't dig in your heels like Dan Snyder completely and just go, you know what, I'm not, I'm not going to talk, you know, I'm not going to consider anything. I'm not going to, you know, there is a way to be forward thinking about this. And, and I know some people don't, it's funny because I'm going to find a way to piss off everybody here. 
I know. I, it, Chiefs fans are going to be mad because I agree with you that there are definitely some some conceptual things involved with Kansas City's franchise that are going to be uncomfortable. Okay, and having anyone come out in a headdress and all that stuff, and you you're you're pointing to a, a, a people as a mascot. Okay, now the name Chiefs, though, you're right. It's not. It is not a <laughs> direct slur. Like, I'm sorry, but the other ones are yeah. straight up. It, it is. There's yeah, no like way to one, get around that. You, there's no defending yes. that one. There's like, no, no defending it. <laughs> and frankly, while well, I know a Native American designed it 50 years ago, even the logo yeah. itself, you're taking a human being of color and putting the human being of color on the side of, you know, a helmet. Yeah. And there's a long contextual history in the United States with Native Americans, just like there are with Black Americans, just like there are with Italian Americans, all these different, you know, groups of people, Jewish people, everybody. So I would just say that for the people who just say, no, it's wrong, here's where I piss you off. I do think that uh, it's, it's a granular situation. There are, there are, it's, there's gradients to how you look sure. at this. There's definitely context to it. Yes. Like there's, there's definitely context. like layers to this. Yes. Right. Yes. And all of it needs to be recognized. I've mentioned some of the reasons people cling to it here. Right. But we also have to recognize some of the reasons people are like, you know what? It's still harmful in this way. And that needs to be said and a pre and listen. And then you find yourself in a position that the Chiefs are right now, which is, okay, what are we supposed to do with this? Well, I mean, you gotta you, you know what you're supposed to do? You're supposed to start thinking about it. You know, you're supposed to start having whatever dialogue needs to be had to figure out where you stand on this, where you're going with this, how you feel in the current climate. And here's something for for Kansas City fans to consider. Once Washington changes, that removes essentially mm-hmm. who's in front of you in the queue. And I'm not saying that this is going to happen, but there's a very real chance that now that Washington is out of that conversation, it leaves the Chiefs inside that conversation, maybe mm-hmm. by themselves. And you don't have an owner that people, you know, is who's a pincushion for pretty much everybody and makes himself that way. You don't have all this stuff that's going on in Washington's franchise now to sort of voter overshadow, you know, if you have an issue or not now. So it's uh it's gonna be complicated. I know I know Chiefs fans are gonna be upset about this. Because they feel I've I've seen people who've kind of come at me saying, you know, this is BS and you know, now we gotta come talk about this. And, you know, this is liberal media and virtual signaling and all these different things. You can have that opinion about Washington, that's fine. Everyone's gonna have their own opinions, but I, I'm pretty sure in the long view of history, the right side, at least where it concerns Washington, is going to be the side we're falling yeah. into right now. Well where we don't say that name or use it anymore. And you know, I think it's, I think this is something that's going to continue to proceed because one thing I'll share is I definitely think. Did you know, like two thousand, like roughly two thousand high schools use Native American imagery for? Is it like that's a lot? So like yeah. that's another area where this attention is going to go. You mentioned the Chiefs. You have the Blackhawks in um, the National Hockey League. You have the Indians in Cleveland. Like the attention is going to go to the other ones. The, the Braves, right? Um, the attention is going to go to some of these other. Um, organizations now that the major violator ha- is out of the mix. So I don't think this is a story that's going anywhere. I think it's something that's going to continue to percolate. And I, I, I think that is something that we're going to have to continue to monitor and pay attention to going forward. One more question we had from a loyal listener from Trunk Waffle Man, 
who asked us, uh, would we as a football community be having the same discussion about D.C.'s team if they had playoff success and or a couple Super Bowls? Would success change at least part of the narrative? Yeah, I, th- I think we would. I don't think there's anything that would get in the way of that name being deeply offensive to many people of Native American origins, whether they'd won the last three Super Bowls or three Super Bowls in the last 50 years, right? Like there, there was no getting around this. Right. And I, I mean, it's uh, we're also not talking about the Jaguars, okay? This is a franchise that won Super Bowls, okay? They have mm-hmm. a storied history. And, and I think people should remember, if you were to name historically like the five cornerstone franchises of the NFL, typically Washington fell in there. Well, that, Charles... If if we if I if you said that in 1999 they would have been in there yeah right like yeah. that was well, one of those franchises right. right like yeah. that was one of those franchises they were really good for a long yeah. time you wanted to coach there it was like yeah. it was hey the Dolphins love the team yes. yeah you, you were going to go to Washington you were going to go to Miami you were going to go to Pittsburgh maybe to the Dallas. New York Giants Dallas, Dallas. You know, there were there were these four or five crown yep. jewels of the NFL and absolutely yep. 20 years ago, Washington was in there. So it's not like Washington doesn't have any history. This is just where we are. We're mm-hmm. in a period in the NFL where we're just like every other sports league. There are going to be a lot of difficult conversations, you know, and I know this is one that because it seems to it trends politically is going to cause a lot of consternation for a lot of different people. And it's going to challenge a lot of people. And I, I, I am falling in, a zone where as a, a Gen Xer, I fall, I straddle kind of both sides of it because I grew up with that franchise. I did. I remember I've only used that name a million times in my lifetime, right. you know, at times where I never really even thought twice about whether or not it was right. offensive. And then I straddled right. though the other half of my life, the other 20 years of my life where I was like, huh, actually, you know, I can understand why there's a problem with this. And, and, you know, so I think it's funny because I think millennials are all one way. Gen Xers are kind of in the middle. And then you have baby boomers who are like, no, this is <laughs> like, this is just ridiculous. America's changing for the worst and everything's terrible. I think it's talking to Native Americans directly about it. At least two of them that study this issue, have run studies on it, that like are, are professors and teach. Like You could hear how much it hurt them, right? You could hear how deeply like personal it is to them. Like, so I think sometimes some of the issues is like, it's not, you don't always put a face to the pain, but once you put a face and a voice to the pain, it might, it changes the perspective or I could see it change the perspective for people a little bit. So, you know, we'll see how this unfolds. Like you said, Charles, I don't think this is going anywhere. One other thing that's not going anywhere, and I'm sure you would agree with this is covid 19, at least for the 2020 year. There was a recent call on this topic between the NFLPA and NFL as they try to figure out what's going to happen this year. As they try to figure out what's going to happen if there's no fans, if there are just 25% of fans, how they're going to keep players healthy, how they're going to keep players safe. Even, you know, when are teams really going to report, right? Because Chiefs are one of the teams that's supposed to report, at least their rookies, this Saturday. It's kind of hard to imagine that happen because it just nobody knows anything for sure um, or very few people do at least. I know you and I keep talking about this privately, man, but it <laughs> kind of wish that it felt like the plan was a little bit was laid out a little bit better, that there was a little bit more of a comprehensive understanding about what would happen going forward. 
this is just one of those things where like we we had this long off season where a lot of conversations could have been had and it was like put off and put off because you didn't know like where was this going to be the medical experts weren't sure you know uh, was there especially once states started to open up again I think there was some optimism that, hey, there's not going to be a situation like where I live in Houston, where we opened up again and it's been a disaster. And the mayor and and um, one of the highest ranking judges in our county have said Houston needs to be ordered again. Uh, it's a mandatory shutdown. Everybody for two weeks, everybody's got to stay in like a stay in order unless your job is absolutely essential. We have to go back to that. So I here's the thing right now that's interesting to me. I am sensing pessimism from teams. I think it was, you know, sort of 50-50 before, but now all of a sudden I feel like the last few days I'm reaching out to some teams. So what's going on with the NFL right now is the head of security for the NFL is traveling around the country and she is visiting every single franchise and she's basically checking out, what do you got? Let, let me see. Let me see your protocols. What's going on? I want to see facilities, how you got things set up, all these different things. So she's going around from team to team. And I don't think it's going really well. Like, I think I think there are NFL teams that are sitting there feeling less prepared than they could have been, you know, and then now they're sort of showing off. Here's where we stand on this. So once I had heard about that, I started to call some teams and I'm like, hey, all of a sudden I'm hearing some some pretty high ranking individuals from some teams that don't feel great about this. How do you feel? And one general manager in particular who I think felt pretty optimistic about this up until this week, I reached out to him thinking he's going to tell me, hey, we're going to give it our best shot. And, da, da, da. and he goes, you know, I don't feel so optimistic now. I'm starting to feel kind of pessimistic about what's going to happen here. And I think it's just the reality of knowing the fight that the NFL has with the PA right now, the reality that players are really nervous right now. And I think fans better understand and be prepared for this right now. When the end of the month comes and veterans are supposed to show up, there is a very real possibility that the NFLPA stands up and says, nope, not letting veterans report. It's not going to happen. We don't like where this is. We do not have all the answers we need. We do not have all the protocols in place that are necessary. We are absolutely not going to allow our veterans to report on time at the end of this month. Fans should get ready for that right now because I would put the percentages in favor of that happening versus people actually all showing up on the 28th. It's a uncertain unusual situation that no one is sure what the end result will look like whether the season's delayed whether there's even a season man we just don't know and i think one of the re one of the ways you know that is in the fact that you know let's look at this offseason man how many guys have ended up being extended to big money deals granted we just saw mahomes we just saw miles garrett and chris jones but like most of these guys aren't getting ex extended. Mo like most of these franchise guys have signed their tenders. Right. <laughs> like, and these some of these are program guys. Right. And they're just signing their tenders because teams don't know what the 2021 cap is going to look like. They don't know. Because if guess what? If the league and its players can't agree on how they're going to share this revenue hit they're almost certainly to take this year, that cap might fall. And it might fall significantly. Yeah. And that's going to hurt. That's going to hurt free agency. That's going to hurt the payouts next year. Like, it's a dangerous thing that they've got to work that out, too. So, look, Charles and I are not being alarmist here. We're just telling you, haven't heard great things about the readiness 
to tackle this upcoming season. We don't know how it's going to turn out. Yeah, I mean, look, man, we're two weeks out. And I thought two weeks out, I thought at this right. point, we would have, hey, we know the testing protocols. They're all in place and right. we're confident. Hey, we know. They don't know what the testing protocol is going to no, be. No, and the meetings. I mean, hey, we know how we're going to have meetings done and we're confident. I think what the NFL didn't prepare for, and maybe even what the NFLPA didn't prepare for, was the uncertainty of like players being really, really nervous about this and players being like, hey, and I said before, and I'll say it again, you're going to find out coming up that some players who have severe asthmatic conditions are very much on the fence of, and I'm telling you, I'm hearing the name of a guy who is a, you know, very, very, very good football player who is telling his teammates, I don't think I'm coming. And it's it's going to start to hit home for for a lot of NFL fans. And I just, knowing how the players feel right now, I can't believe that there are not a number of very impactful voices who don't stand up when we're a week out and go, we aren't ready. We need yep. to have a conversation about this and we need to start talking about pushing it back. We'll see. It's definitely something we'll monitor over the coming days and weeks. The business of football does continue at least a little bit, right? <laughs> and just today, two big-time defensive linemen just got paid. But I, I think, especially in Chris Jones's contract, you can kind of see that this might not be a typical year. So Jones got four years, $80 million. It's up to $85 million in incentive sources told me. I'm told no signing bonus, which is, look, when I told, when I wrote last week that this, that the Chiefs needed to come closer to Jones's number, which is $21 million, I meant it. But Jones is also going to have to be willing to get creative to mm -hmm. make this thing happen. Yep. And this is what being creative looks like. No signing bonus, so it doesn't affect his cap number this year. But you keep seeing all this money's guaranteed. That's because a lot of the contract's guaranteed. Chiefs yeah. are very serious about running this team back um, for the next several years. Um, but, but that's the, again, that's the kind of contract you see when you're not certain what the salary cap's going to look like in future years. You know, um, but but... That's a win for both sides for obvious yes. reasons, right? Like, Jones is 26 years old. He's a really, really good pass rusher. You need that in today's NFL. And they don't win the Super Bowl without his contributions in that game, right, in February. We agree. I'm interested in your thoughts on Miles Garrett's extension, though. Um, you know, five years, 125. It's a lot of money. A lot of money, Charles. What are your thoughts on it, brother? Well, here's – this is what was an interesting thing to me is when I heard the numbers – so I we've said – I don't know how many shows we have told Cleveland fans, and I hope you're listening. We've told Cleveland fans over and over, it's coming. Okay, like be prepared, mm -hmm. it's coming. They're going to extend this guy. They're working on it. They're going to get it done. So they get it done. What I thought was interesting was when I looked at the numbers, it being a tack-on deal, this was a really good deal for the Browns. I was actually pretty stunned because I sat here and I went, okay, they tack on five years to his current deal. So basically what it works out to, I mean, if you do the math over the seven years, because he locked himself up for seven years, mm -hmm. what it works out to is basically under 21 million APY for a, a high-end defensive end. I'm going to tell you, if that goes the full seven years, that guy, especially if he's a, win. If he's a 15 Hell sack yeah. guy, that he's going to be underpaid in three years. And yep. so what's really interesting to me, though, is when I sat there and I looked at Demarcus Lawrence's deal and I was like, huh, let me see the money in the first three years. So Lawrence, he he got uh, sixty five million in the first three, whereas Miles Garrett, Miles Garrett got sixty two million in the first mm -hmm. three. I mean, somehow they finagled a really good deal with a really young guy who's a really good player. And I know that he had the helmet thing, which wasn't great 
against the Steelers. And, you know, that's a problem. But frankly, it's funny because this was like the seven year, 21 million a year deal that Jadavion Clowney would have loved to have had. And they just signed a guy who I think most people would argue is probably right now a better player than Jadavion Clowney to that deal. Yeah, he's a better player, no doubt. And and I'll also add this. There's a guy that's like a year younger than Chris Jones and plays the edge. And Jones's APY over the first three years was twenty million. I'm told, so not that much more than Chris's, right? So, right, right. hey, good job. <laughs> I mean, like you know, the, the signs of competency in For Cleveland, Browns, man. Right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. Now, Andrew Barry, Andrew out- Barry apparently knows what he's doing because this is a pretty good. <laughs> I now, I'll tell you what. You look at the off season. They nailed it. I love they, their offseason. Yeah, they got a lot of good signings. The Conklin signing came it. in cheaper than I thought. I mean, you know, yeah. Hooper, they played a, paid a premium for Hooper, but they signed, They have the coach to get the premium out of Hooper. You know, they they didn't, you know, they had the dance with Clowney, but they didn't blow it out to make Clowney, you know, to like absolute, like I, which I thought would have been a mistake. I thought that the deals that they offered Clowney made sense. Yeah, financially, there's definitely a lot of competency being, being practiced. But I, I'll say for the Chiefs, I thought Jones, I was like, man, these, if you had told me, here's, here's what they're going to do with Mahomes, here's what the numbers are going to look like, that it's not going to be a cap percentage tie, all this different stuff. I'd yeah. have been like the team, that's a big, that's a pretty solid win for the team. And frankly, I thought the Jones numbers were in line with if he had made free agency, like they, they found a way to pay him, but they paid him in a way that was advantageous for the team so even the Chiefs, I thought the Chiefs did really well on those two signings, too. I mean, and here's the thing about what they've done, too. Like, I mean, I don't have to tell you, but, like, they know that's a Super Bowl-caliber team. And they just brought everybody back. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, who would, like, if you, I feel like if you'd given them, like, the same GM, like, every, if you've given all 32 GMs across the league, like, the same situation, not all of them pull that off. Like, not... No organizations. No. <laughs> Not all of them pull off this cap situation, right? Like they've basically brought everybody back. Now, what is that going to mean? That means, like as we talked about on the last podcast, like they're going to like at, at some point here, you're going to lose some 25 year old guy that you're really going to like, and it's going to suck. But you're worried about now, and you're worried about next year, and you're trying to repeat and defend because you know you've got Andy Reid right now, and you're trying to win. So I, I get why it's happening. You know, even in the long term, like the the guys that they're paying big money to, for the most part, they're worth it. Now, what that does mean is like we also talked about expect draft picks to become a thing here very shortly in Kansas City. Expect them to play that comp game pretty good. Expect them to do the Patriots thing of like getting your third round comp picks and trading down and getting more fifth and sixth. Like expect that because that's the only way you can build a championship caliber roster around a bunch of highly paid guys. So that's going to come. But in the meantime, everybody around Kansas City should be happy with what they've done. One thing I want to mention to you about Cleveland too, though, I think it's really um, funny that Cleveland looks like they're probably like, we're coming from like a Detroit Cleveland sense of shared pain here, guys. I'm not making fun of you. Believe me, I get it. But it's ironic that in the one year it really looks like the Browns are about to break through. We have no idea what the season is going to look like. Yeah. Like, of course, like, of course, it just can't be a regular year. Like, of course, it just can't. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you know what? At the same time, though, you and you I think you made this point in the past. <laughs> this might play to an advantage of, you know, some teams that aren't historically 
hey, we're, you know, the, you know, the Patriots are going to show up and Bill's had his system forever and he's got all these assistants. And I mean, that staff's been there forever and all that. And it's definitely going to help them out. But there is an element of chaos, too, where maybe someone, you know, from the suit where we're like, ah, that, you know, no, no one would ever sit here and go, well, the Browns, that's a Super Bowl caliber team, especially after how we kind of <laughs> tried to think maybe last yeah, season they yeah. could make that run. Yeah. I mean, all bets are off now. Like, I, I, I'm i going to go with the experience. I'm going to go with the teams that had the coaching staff that have it on lock and all that stuff. But you know how it is with chaos, man. Something is going to happen inside this chaos that we absolutely are not going to expect. Yeah, no, that's fair. It's just certain teams seem to have more bad luck than others. So this will be, I'm a, just, this will be a Detroit Lions year. This is the, <laughs> this is the rust. This is the rust belt portion of the this, podcast. This is this is the year the Lions start eight and zero, and then COVID ends the season in like in like December. <laughs> no, this is it's over. Year, Everything's terrible. This is, year, this is the year they win the NFC North and have a home playoff game, and then the season just ends. Like, ends. It, yeah. oh my god. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was my point. I'm glad that you get that as you wear your Spartans hat. That is hilarious. A <laughs> um, couple more questions uh, before we wrap this thing up. One from, I think, our inaugural All Juice team member, All Juice listener team member. Got to be Molly Salt. Salt. Yeah, got to be Molly gotta Salt. Got to be, yep. yep. First ballot, Molly guy. Salt First ballot guy, Molly First Salt. ballot. <laughs> Anytime he asks a question, it's getting answered. Um, and this is actually kind of funny. His question is, is there a worse GM in the NFL than John Elway? Yes. Now, Molly Salt doesn't just ask this because he's a Chiefs fan. He asked this because The Athletic put out an agent's survey that's gotten a lot of attention. And in this survey, they asked agents which GM they like dealing with the least. And some of – John Elway had the most votes. And, like, some of the comments were pretty amusing. Charles, who are some GM – like, Hey, like who else, when you poll guys, because there's one guy in my mind I hear a lot about. Um, I'm curious if it's the same guy. Like, who do you hear people around the league um, criticize regularly? Oh, I'm not. I'm not going to assassinate AGMs on this show. <laughs> <laughs> Believe me, that I could, but I'm not going to because unfortunately I got to, you know, I have to then later explain to these guys why I aired why them out. Um, yeah, you know, look, I, I unfortunately, I'm going to, I'm going to show my cards here to the listeners. Like I, I, I'm a, I, I have burned some bridges with some GMs in the past. It has taken a long time to rebuild some of those. Some of them I have never rebuilt, unfortunately, and I've had to deal with it. But yeah, you know, I, I can I can expound on Elway a little bit here. I mean, you know, Elway has he has some guys that that do you know step into part of the negotiations and bulldog it, which I know agents do not like. But also, you know, John is not afraid to, you know. Do some dirt a little bit, you know. What I what I what I mean by that is, you go back to the Von Miller negotiation. John was pressing some buttons. Gary Kubiak was calling Von about you know getting your your deal done. There were other free agents who were held up trying to get extensions from the Broncos who were calling Von and suggesting to Von, "Hey, John told me that we got to get yours out of the way before we can do mine. Hey, man, get your deal done because I need to get my extension done." That's what agents hate. You know, they hate that when when other they want to be spoken to directly by uh, the the GM and they don't want you to go to the player and they don't want all this stuff happening with players. And John, John will exercise some things with players. He'll call, hey, the Cowboys, 
the Cowboys have tried to get, but remember when the Zeke stuff was going on? Cowboys were trying really hard to have one-on-one conversations with Zeke. You know what Zeke's people were saying? Yeah, that's why you're on an island. <laughs> like that's why that's why mm. we're keeping you away from the Cowboys because we don't need you sitting with Jerry and Stephen Jones and having those conversations. If you want to, hey man, if you want to reveal some GMs that, that you well, know are disliked, that's hilarious. That's feel hilarious. free. Well, well, here's the thing: like the Athletic had like a list of like five guys, six guys in here, and. I mean, none of these, none of these have surprised people. If you read right? the like, list, I can tell well, you exactly why. I yeah, can tell you yeah. why. Okay. Right. Well, I mean, one of them kind of surprised because I hadn't heard. But like Mike Brown, like people complain about right. the Bengals. Cheap. You know, like that's not, they yeah. know that. Yeah. Like people yeah. complain about, right. that's not, <laughs> I love how Bruce Allen got a couple votes, even though he's not in the league anymore. That yeah. that was a guy that, Does you not know, surprise me. Lot of, <laughs> lot, doesn't surprise me. I, I personally haven't heard anything about Hollywood Roseman, so I was surprised to see that right. one. A Bill O'Brien agents have made, but but I feel like a lot of that is because of the the Hopkins deal. Really, really, really was really unpopular. Right, like it was really unpopular. So I'm not right. surprised he's there. Elway, you mentioned, and then Belichick, right? Like. They do things their way in New England. It's just going to be a different kind of deal. Um, yeah. So I. So for the most, like, do, do any of those, like, is that pretty consistent with what you kind of hear? Yeah. Because I mean, for the most part, it is. Roseman. Yeah. Roseman's definitely. Roseman's a surprise. Yeah, it's a surprise. And and you know, I could see. Um, you know, the the Eagles are pretty aggressive about trying to get ahead of contracts with guys. I have heard about Howie though. That like Howie is of the mind that if he does a deal with you, he wants you to honor it, you know, and mm-hmm. and not only that, like I, I've heard like even with like his personnel guys, like, hey, if, if if you do, if you cut a deal, he's not just going to free you up to go just take other jobs or whatever. Like he if he feels you're an asset, he wants to keep you. And if he works to get a deal done early with a player and then all of a sudden the player feels, hey, maybe I'm a little underpaid or whatever in a year or two or whatever. I mean, that's on them. Like he's, he's like, and, and so I think there are times where agents probably look at that and they go, you know, come on, man. Like we worked with you to get this done early or whatever. And, and down the line, you know, maybe things changed or whatever, but yeah, I I do think he is a, he's a guy who expects people to honor their deals after they sign them and isn't going to all of a sudden start tearing things up down the line and, you know, changing how his salary cap looks just because somebody decided to do a deal early and it was a little advantageous to the team. And one thing I'll say is I feel like even if even if these guys are difficult to deal with, like there's respect if you're good at your job. Like how is good at his job, man? Like they win games there. Um, Belichick obviously is good at his job. Like in general, I, I'm just saying what I found. Like there's always the caveat of like, look, those guys win games. Understand, but you know that that's typically how that goes to me. You they want- always acknowledge if you're if you're winning games. That's why winning games is so important. As a fan, you want a GM who um, is in the middle. You don't want them hated. You don't right. want them hated by. But you don't want them loved. You don't either. want them loved either. That's a that's a that's a warning sign. Like that's there was a time. That's part of why Stephen Jones has taken over so much of the financial stuff for Dallas. Because there was a time when Jerry was the GM. He was his title wasn't GM. It was ATM. Like it was like you showed up and Jerry was going to pay your guy inordinate amounts of money. And it was like if I, I literally had an agent, you know, who used to always say when Jerry calls you back. It's your birthday, even if it's not your birthday, because you're going to get <laughs> a great deal. And that was, oh. you know, now that has changed. Brett Veach, you know, 
I think he's probably a middle guy. Chris Ballard, I think he's a middle guy. Oh, yeah. And by the way, both those guys, well, at least Veach. Veach got a vote here. So I thought that was interesting. But here's what also needs to be said about Roseman and Belichick. Roseman got the most votes among who's the smartest. Mm-hmm. And Belichick was fourth. Mm-hmm. And then Ballard was third. Mm-hmm. And then Veach was fourth. Like, do you get what I'm saying? Like, yeah, and do you know, the, and here's the thing about Roseman. He gets the votes for being smartest because he is aggressive about getting ahead of the cap. But... Mm-hmm. And and he takes the risk by putting a ton of guaranteed money on his team, but that's the trade off. Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna have the I'm gonna carry the most guaranteed money of any franchise in the NFL. But also, my guys, when you look at their deals, are gonna look pretty good a year or two into the deals or three years <laughs> into the deals. You're gonna go, geez, I mean, those monies are shut- pretty good. It didn't even take a year for Wentz to look great. I know, right? Like, Wentz's right. Deal, like he's got his quarterback locked up at like 30? What is it, 31? 32, like, oh my God, yeah. 32? Yeah, it's right like, oh my God. He's got his quarterback. Like, <sighs> no, it's it's funny that uh, – but that, but see, it's it's the same agents that will sit there and go, yeah, he's the smartest guy, also will hold some animus against – and I will tell sure. you right now, and this kind of plays into Elway, it only takes you doing if you're an agent. It only takes you doing one really like rough deal with a team where you're pissed, and you will always vote for that guy forever. Like I've, there are agents that I talk to who have a short list of hatred, and some of them will talk about deals uh, that they did in like 2006. And I'm like, it's like 14 years ago, man. Like, like come on, dude. Like that's so long ago. You got to move on from that. But it doesn't. I I remember. <laughs> this is a good example. Tom Condon and A.J. Smith, when A.J. Smith was uh, the GM of the Chargers, they had that whole thing where Eli Manning got traded. Tom Condon and and Archie Manning said, no way, he's not playing there. They had to trade him forever (laughs) to this day. I'm telling you, A.J. Smith would absolutely call in an airstrike on Tom Condon. (laughs) If he knew where he was, and Tom Condon, conversely, would absolutely call in a a Navy, like, SEAL Team 6 (laughs) be landing on the roof of AJ Smith's house. That's how those two feel about each other forever. Okay? that's It'll it'll go to the grave for both men. Um, This has been an interesting conversation. I've enjoyed this. Um, In general, I thought the survey was pretty good. Like, I hear a lot of love for Ballard and he finished number one among the best like talent evaluator Belichick's up there too you know one guy I thought was interesting that's on this list is Scott McLuhan there's there's general respect for that man's ability to evaluate talent so also John Dorsey's not not employed either and he got some votes here so I I don't know these things can always be pretty interesting and I certainly found them to be interesting all right guys we'll be back later this week Uh, In the meantime, check out the Yahoo Fantasy Football Podcast and also the Yahoo Sports College Podcast. And follow me on Twitter at Therese Paler. You can follow Charles on Twitter at Charles Robinson. And Charles, tell them what else you need to know. You got us to 900. We appreciate it. I I want you to know that we know the names of every single person who fell in that zone of 900. I wish that all of you would hit us up on Twitter. If you're listening right now and you know that you fell right in that zone of like 899, 900, 901, 902, 903, Hit us up on Twitter and tell us uh, which one you left. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. means a lot to us to, to hit that number a couple weeks out before going to, to training camp. Again, this is a march toward 1,000, which we would like to get done by the end of the, the 2020 season, which is why we 
are like you in every other respect. We really hope the 2020 season gets played. We want to see some football. We want everybody to be safe, but we also would like to get back to some element of normalcy um, in the NFL, if we can do that safely. So thank you to everyone. Thank you for the five-star reviews. means a lot to us. Uh, and we will continue. I think Therese and I at some point are going to sit down and we're actually going to make our list of the all juice uh, listener team at some point. And yeah. uh, we have to figure out we what have, the inaugural class, like 10, 10 guys. Yeah, we have we have plans for this. Yeah, like it, it'll be it'll be more than us just, you know, having it unofficially. Like it. Let us. We we have some ideas. Ten's a pretty good number. We're gonna keep brainstorming too. Like I think I think this can be something that's really cool. I'm really excited to kind of get going here. So, and and Charles does speak for both of us when he says we both appreciate um, you guys leaving us the five stars, even if you disagree with an opinion or a segment or whatever. Like appreciate that because you guys realize the greater point, which is that we want your support and we appreciate your support. So. Okay, we'll be back later this week. He's Charles. I'm Therese. Thanks for listening. We'll see you then. Peace. It's no secret that our world has been interrupted. A World Interrupted is a daily podcast telling stories of coronavirus and its impact on the economy. We want to cover the issues in the macro, global economics, the stock market, and our political climate. But we'll also cover the micro stories, maybe the ones you don't hear as much about in the news or the media. We hope you'll listen and be a part of the journey. So subscribe today on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts.